Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Bible study here at One Love Live at Love Walk. And I want to thank you so much for tuning in to today's broadcast. Um, I want to invite you to grab your Bibles as we go into the Word of God to uh, learn how to practically apply the Word of God and also to uh, accomplish our purpose in the earth. Um, so I want to encourage you, grab your Bibles. We're going to actually go into the study. Now, we have been studying about purpose. And um, right now, this is pretty much going to sort of round out the last few uh, purpose Bible studies that we had. And uh, this one is actually going to focus on what I have promised, which is um, to examine the position of bishops, deacons and elders um, and the reason I wanted to make this separate from a lot of the purpose um, Bible studies that we have been doing of late is because I don't want um, I don't want them to be confused with specifically God purposing you to do that uh, to be a deacon or something like that and to understand that it's a position and that isn't to say that being that is not included in your purpose and I know it seems like tricky wording but if you will go along with this study we will see how it actually works out and what it actually means um, I also want to encourage you to uh, definitely leave a message if you have questions um, and let me know if uh, as you as a believer you're growing in the word uh, if you have if you're not a believer and you have accepted Christ let me know I'd love to send you some information on you know how you can strengthen your faith and so let's go ahead and get into this Bible study um, I want to encourage you to turn to Timothy right now um, we are going to look at uh, I believe it's Timothy um, let's see. Uh, it's First Timothy chapter 3, and I'm going to read down, and this is going to be our anchor text. It says, This is a true saying. If a man desires the office of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop, then, must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, no greedy, I'm sorry, not greedy, a filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that rules well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Likewise must the deacon be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, holding the mystery of the faith, in a pure conscience and let these also first be proved then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless even so must their wives be grave not slanderous sober faithful in all things let the deacons be the husbands of one wife ruling their children and their own houses well for they that have used the office of a deacon well purchased to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. 
So that was our anchor text and I wanted us to read through that. It was a bit lengthy, but I wanted us to read through it because these are the this is the description. It is a job description. <laughs> it is a position description and um, I think it's something that we need to have a conversation about so that we can understand it and its function because a lot of things that we are seeing uh, that we do see in terms of church, in terms of Christians, uh, believers, is we see uh, a lot of them sort of mimicking what has been in the world, which is to have, you know, a clergy, uh, and then of course to have laity, and then, you know, the man of God. And this isn't to say this wasn't something that was in, uh, you know, the original Judaism. I want you to understand that, you know, God has now transformed us into the priests. So it's it's sort of a nation of priests. They, he called it a royal priesthood. Uh, he said a holy nation. So everybody is royal and everybody is holy in this nation. And there is a level of communicating back and forth to support each other. You know, we as we read, it said, let the one who is uh, teaching be taught by the one you know, who is being taught. So it's, it's really crazy when you think about how God wants, I won't say it's crazy, it's really interesting how God really wants his word to be taught in the, in the world and how he wants the body of Christ to grow. So we're going to look at the bishop, the elder, and the deacon, as I said before. Now let's go ahead and sort of examine these words because unfortunately, you know, it's being translated from the Greek and you know what, that, that I prefer translating translations from the Hebrew, but the Greek calls that word bishop from the Greek. It means to look intently on. It means oversight that naturally goes on to provide the care and attention appropriate to the personal visitation, a visiting or overseeing. Um, and that word is not actually bishop. It's actually the word episcope. And that's where we get the idea of Episcopalian or are you, are you Episcopal, you know, that we've made denominations of. But actually, to be Episcopal... <laughs> is actually a position. It's not actually a church or a religion uh, or a division of Christianity. It literally is a position in the, uh, I hate to say Christian church, but I'll say in the body of Christ. Also, let's look at deacon. The word deacon comes from the Greek. It means waiter or servant, administrator to end, you know, in the past they translated it to mean to raise up dust in moving in a hurry to minister. So it's someone who quickly comes to minister, someone who quickly comes to minister, one who executes the commands of another very quickly. So it's a kind of minister, but an administer, someone who is, you know, administering, you know, maybe food, funds, resources, someone who quickly comes in to help people, not someone who's kind of dragging their feet. And, no, this is someone who they're, they're kind of like, there's someone who saves you, who helps. Okay. Uh, and then of course, the final one is elder. And that's from the Greek. It actually means presbyterius. So to be an elder is to be part of the Presbyterius. That literally means, you know, older person or elder. It means mature and having seasoned judgment. And so we have these three, the elder, the deacon, and the bishop. And uh, the bishop is actually an overseer. That actually means overseer. So what exactly are these positions? And um, why isn't it just purpose you know what why isn't it that i i didn't realize suddenly that you know god had 
you know, transformed me into a bishop or transformed me into a deacon. Why is that not the case? We're going to stop and we're going to look at it. You know, as we read from Timothy 1 and we read all the way down to 13, it's important to understand that the writer is giving very specific instructions about the qualifications of a bishop and a deacon. In this, in this, I'm sorry, in this specific passage in 1 Timothy chapter 3, he's talking about a deacon and a bishop. He's not talking about an elder. So we're going to get to that, but let's first talk about the deacon and the bishop. So the writer is giving very specific instructions about those qualifications. And this means one simply cannot choose to do this simply because he wants to. Okay, although he says it is a good thing to desire, it's definitely not a title you can take on for yourself. In fact, among positions in the church, the role of bishop and deacon requires selection or at the very least validation by other believers. And you can see that in 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 10 and also 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 7. So let's look at number 10 first. It says, and let these also first be proved, then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. So this is telling us that there's some sort of, um, you know, uh, trial, some sort of um, way that those around them are going to be able to or should test to see that these people uh, are blameless, to see that these people are, um, you know, practicing the highest level uh, of character. So let's look at uh, Timothy 3 and 7 quickly. It says, moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. So them who are without are not just believers. It's those who are outside of the faith. And does that mean that, um, you know, a not, you know, an unbeliever is going to say, oh, that's a great Christian right there. Probably not. But they'll probably say, yeah, you know, that person, I may not agree with them. I may not like what they're up to, what they're doing. But, you know, I really can't say they haven't really hurt me or done anything to me. And so you're not really talking about them, you know, sort of giving their stamp of approval. But basically, the, that means this person isn't just behaving like a Christian among Christians and then going out and just, you know, knocking people down and, you know, doing all kinds of things and, you know, saying horrible things to people and knocking people out. Like, this is a person who ha is practicing it both within the church and also without the church. And that's really what that qualification does. That qualification of proving someone means that they're not just practicing it in church. We all know of instances where you have people who come to church and they just knock you out with the holy, but you know, you meet them someplace else, they'll knock you out with their fist too. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to uh, think about that. Um, so I think it's important to understand the importance of what is being saying when he says they need to be proved and found blameless. Now, the qualities of a deacon or a bishop are most often noticed by other believers first who might gently ask that person who is possessing such qualities, would they desire to hold the position? So it's not by force or coercion, but it's willingly. Usually such people are already acting in such an unofficial capacity by their very character. 
the office of a bishop and a deacon and an elder are character and experience driven. I think this is really important to say. It's character and experience driven. Um, it's not just like, oh, I preach a lot, or it's not just that I've given a lot of meals to the poor, or that, um, you know, I have... I don't know, played the organ in church a lot or whatever it could be. And so therefore, this qualifies me for it. No, it's the character. Your experience alone is, is okay. it's fine to have the experience, but it also requires character. So we're not just looking at a position that hangs on experience. It hangs on experience and character, someone who is demonstrating the faith. Okay, so this is really important for us to see. Uh, I also want to point out in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 8, that it says the deacon should not be given too much wine. I'm just making an aside right here. Um, the reason I wanted to point that out, it means it's because if it means it's okay for the deacon uh, to, if it says for them not to have much wine, then it's okay for the deacon, the elder or the bishop to have some wine. This is to illustrate for those who may believe drinking is a sin. There is a Bible study here. Uh, it's in our Letters to God series. It's called, Is Drinking a Sin? You can read up on that. But I just want to give you just a little bit of an aside to let you know that it's okay to have wine. Uh, you just have to remember what is actually being said about that wine. It's not he can, he can have some wine, but he shouldn't be given too much wine. Uh, and finally, he should have his own home in subje subjection, according to 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 4 to 5. Um, and it says the same thing for a deacon in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. And I'm going to just make a confession here. I really think that this is the hardest requirement of the deacon and of the bishop, is to actually have one's household in order. That means it requires the obedience of the family in the position. It's almost like a family position. <laughs> I know that sounds crazy, but that's kind of what it is. I mean, if not saying that you have to have a family to be a deacon or to be a bishop. I mean, obviously, if it's just you, sure. Or if it's just you and your wife or something, you know, obviously, you know, you don't need that. But the, the important qualification here is that if you are attached to others, if you have a spouse, if you have kids, that they also must be in subjection. And I really think that is a very difficult thing. It's because it's hard to get people on the same page. So it's possible to be possible to be going to church and serving faithfully, but your whole house is in turmoil or it operates quite apart from scripture. And I think that's really what um, the writer of Timothy is saying. So according to the scripture, even this man's wife and kids must be well functioning in the faith. And that's, that's, that's going to require some discipline. That's going to require some gravity. And I think that is what he's saying about the bishop and the deacon is that, you know, if you desire that position, then these are some of these are the requirements. And part of it is that your wife and kids are in subjection. And that's hard. That's a really difficult thing to do. Um, 
But it means that everyone is practicing and everyone is in the faith. I think that's so important to remember. So like I said, I, I, I really think it's a tough qualification, but I think this is why one doesn't just spontaneously appoint oneself a bishop or a deacon. I think this is also why the qualification is on the whole family, because it would mean that the state of, the, of obedience of the man and his entire family was something that all could see and vouch for because remember it said to prove him that he needed to be proven and found blameless so everyone would be able to to see that your family is in subjection everyone would be able to say yeah you know his his family is always you know they're not the kids aren't doing anything crazy the wife isn't you know doing something you know they're always doing the right thing so if it has to be proved you know, then that means everyone can see it. So it's not like one of those things where, you know, uh, you go to church and you're super holy, but after that you go out and the kids are fighting each other in the parking lot and, you know, the wife is calling you all kinds of, you know, names except for the son of, uh, except for a child of God. So that is really what it comes down to is that we're talking about this sort of whole family position if you have a family. And so, like I said, I really do think this is a tough qualification for the overseer, the bishop, and the deacon. But it is a qualification, and so that means others have to be able to see that demonstrably lived out in your life. Otherwise, you know, being... You, I don't think you can actually be one, you know. Um, and now let's go ahead and look at the elder. We're going to turn now to First Peter chapter 5. Um, and we're going to start at the first verse. And I'm going to start now. It says, The elders which are among you I exhort, who I am also an elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fades not away. Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves to the elder. Yes, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility for God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. So here we see a picture of what an elder must be uh, as Peter is writing here and who he says he himself is an elder and he's giving very specific instructions once again about what an elder is. An elder is not one who is a lord. This is not someone who's he, he's not someone who's just, you know, telling people what to do. He's one who practices sound judgment in sound godly doctrine. That's really important to remember. Remember, he is one who practices sound judgment in sound godly doctrine. The position of an elder speaks of experience in Christ and age. Now, while being younger does not always denote youth in biblical experience, it sometimes does, especially if you've been with the Lord for a long time. Let's say, um, let's say there's an elder who's like 67 and he has 20 years serving the Lord, truly serving the Lord faithfully in life and in deed. And then you have a new believer. And this, I just want to make this uh, statement. If you have a new believer of maybe he's been in the faith one year, but he's 92 years old. I want to ask you, who's the older one? Who, who's, the, who's the elder in that case? Is it the 67-year-old who has been in the faith for 20 years? 
or is it the 92 year old who's been in the faith for one year? I'm going to tell you it's the 67 year old. He's talking about age in the faith. He's also talking about age in terms of, you know, the age that you might have, because with age, a lot of times comes wisdom. And sometimes if you're older, it means that you have been practicing this faith for a long time time. And so when we think about practicing the faith for a long time and doing what is right and making mistakes and being corrected and changing, you can tell other people a lot about what it's like. You know, I've been in the faith for a while and, you know, I can honestly tell you, I've learned a lot of stuff. (laughs) I've learned a lot of stuff, not just from the Bible. God has made the Bible flesh for me by the different things that I have experienced. So I may have, let's say I've been in the faith for 20 years, then what that means is maybe there's someone who is like 80 and they've been in the faith for five years. Which one is the elder? Is it me or the person who's been in the faith for five years? I want you to think about that. When the scripture says submit, younger believers are submitting to what is right and sound in Christ those who have more experience in the faith okay he's telling them to submit to what is right and sound in christ when they are exhorted corrected or warned by an elder a bishop or a deacon or even another believer because remember he said be submitted to each other so you might you know have a friend or you know another believer and you see them doing something and you know you tell them hey you know then they should submit not to your word, but to what is right in Christ. So um, we're not submitting to the individual or the individual's wishes. This is really important because sometimes people get this confused in a lot of religions. And, you know, I can't speak for, you know, other kinds of religions where you have holy men who tell you to go stand on your head or give them everything out of the out of your house. And, and then you'll get something in return. But here in, in, in Christianity, in, as, as being a member of the body of Christ and a follower of the way, your submission is to the word of God, not to that individual and their word. Elders aren't supposed to be summoning you to their house at 3 a.m. or ordering you to join an usher board or some other type of thing. No, that's not what that's talking about. They're asking you to submit to the righteousness of God perhaps calling out privately and lovingly a believer who may be deeply engaged in sin or error doesn't always have to be sin it could be error maybe you just don't know maybe you think that you know you have to bring a gift or a sacrifice to church maybe you think that you have to give God something in order to get a blessing back the submission I'm sorry the submission And what the elder will do or what the deacon or bishop will do is that they will give you the correct information so you are not operating under uh, false doctrine. They're going to give you the truth of Christ. Um, And so they're also part of a very special group that are tasked with helping believers stay the course, as in we see in Galatians chapter 6, where it says that they should help a believer that are overtaken in a trespass considering themselves. Let's quickly read Galatians chapter 6 verse 1. It says, Brothers, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear you one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Notice those caveats he put in there. He's always telling 
the Bible is very specific about who needs to help and who needs to do what. There's no need to ever be confused about your purpose, uh, about who is a deacon and who is a bishop and, you know, who is an elder. You should be able to see that as a believer as you grow in the word of God. You know, there's lots of people that just grab any title. I'm a prophet. I'm a you know, a deacon, I'm a whatever. And they're not. Their whole life tells you that that is not what they are. And so it isn't so that you can get in their face and say, that's not what you are. You're not that. Um, Maybe you can lovingly correct someone, but it's so that you can know as a believer, so that you're not deceived, so that you know how to truly live within the faith. So in Titus, it seems that, you know, and we're just going to go back to Titus, but it says, it seems that the writer is asking uh, the person that he's talking to, maybe he's talking to Titus, I'm not sure who the writer is, but he's literally telling him to ordain, you know, elders in these different cities, you know, and so this is really a critical aspect um, when we think about, um, what it means to be an elder. And so we're, we're looking at what it means to be an elder. And in Titus, and we're going to read it, but I want you to think about what he's saying. He's using the word presbyterius, which means older person. Here he indicates that even elders are to have a strong adherence to the word of God in deed and household. So once again, uh, you know, we saw that in Peter and we saw that in um we saw that in uh, Timothy that he's talking to bishops and he's talking to deacons. Well, now he's talking to some elders and he's giving them the same mandate. Here he indicates that even elders are to have a strong adherence to God's word in deed and in household. There is nowhere in scripture, I want you to think about this, there is nowhere in scripture that the ordination or selection of a man is there for being a teacher, a minister, a preacher, an apostle, or an evangelist. We are simply told to stir up the gifts that are within us. So uh, sometimes we get things a little bit confused, you know, and and, uh, admittedly many things have been uh, confused over the years, you know, uh, with the translation of the Bible. Um, I would say with many of the, you know, issues with uh, the different kingdoms that were coming up and, you know, they believed in having clergies and things like that. And so we got this kind of confused because we're so accustomed as human beings to having this kind of religion. But the truth of the matter is you don't ordain a teacher of the word of God. You don't ordain a preacher. There's nowhere it says, you know, you need to ordain and appoint preachers. It says to ordain elders. These are people who are going to have oversight over the body of Christ. You ordain uh, bishops and you ordain um, deacons. And when I say ordain, I mean as in make a judgment and a selection by the group of people who are there. So this idea of ordaining, you know, preachers and teachers and, you know, there's some sort of, you know, document you need to get, that's nowhere in the Bible. What is of most importance when we talk about position and where there is a need for an ordaining of a person, it is with the deacon, it is with the elder, and it is with 
the bishop. So as a royal priesthood and a royal uh, as a royal priest in a royal priesthood with co-equal members, the positions are character and experience driven. Okay, the only appointable positions are bishops, deacons and elders, and no one appoints these preachers. Okay, remember that an apostle by Christ Jesus is something that a lot of the, um, you know, apostles would say in the beginning of their letter. They would say something like uh, an apostle by Christ Jesus or by the will of God and not the will of man. So basically what they're saying is these different things, they're not appointable. This is why I separated this from deacon, um, bishop, and elder, because there is no, you don't need somebody else. You don't need a group of believers to ordain you or say, yeah, that you're an elder. No, for being a teacher or whatever else, you, you don't really need that. What we need and what needs to be done is the very careful selection of elders, deacons, and bishops. And that is why it is so important. And that is why you see in the Bible time and time again, the apostles, they always say by the will of God, by the will of God and things like that, when they're talking about their own purpose driven, uh, you know, goal or purpose or calling in life. So I want to then look at Titus 1.5. It says, for this cause left I you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are wanting and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed you. If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot or ruly, for a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre. It's really important to see how he uses the word elder, but then switches to bishop as he goes on. So this might suggest that the bishop and the elder function quite similarly, but are still different and that the bishop is also an elder. I think it's kind of like saying all employees are a part of the company, but not all employees are executives. A bishop and a deacon seem like a very narrower sort of a much narrower field to fill because of the level of responsibility. And I think the appointment of bishops and elders and deacons is likely the work of the elders and the body of believers that he serves. So if you have a group of believers, they could all confer and say, yeah, Joe is really a good guy. His wife is real cool and his kids are always doing the right thing. Okay, let's see if he wants to be a bishop. Let's see if he wants to be a deacon. That's how that works, you know, or maybe if you're in a more organized setting, maybe you know of someone in your community and, you know, they come to church, you know, in your area and you see the goings of their family and how their life is going and, you know, they're doing what is right. It doesn't mean they're rich or it doesn't mean they're necessarily poor, but it means they're doing what is right in terms of the Bible, in terms of the word of God. Then you might ask them if they might want to become an elder, a bishop or a deacon. And I think the appointment of the bishops and the deacons works quite like that. And so the individual must want to do it. I want to point that out as it says in first Peter chapter five and two, it is willingly and without constraint. That means it's okay to want to take the position or not. This is not a gift or a calling otherwise known as purpose. Okay. This is a key distinction. I want to make a little moment, take a little moment here to sort of, um, sort of hone in on this distinction. The offices of the deacon, the bishop, and the elder, while by appointment, are also by consent. 
purpose is by appointment, but it doesn't quite need your consent because it's who you are. It's not really something that, you know, someone can appoint you to. It's what you're going to do naturally. And I'll give you an example. I love my can can opener, you know, example, but it's like a can opener. A can opener cannot decide it wants to be a toaster. It simply is what it is. Purpose is built into its very existence. So you have Jonah. He had to preach at Nineveh. There was not an alternative. So we have to remember that purpose isn't something that, oh, I think I will choose my purpose. Your purpose is already chose for you. How you operate, how you think, all of these things are adding into and working toward your purpose. Whereas being a deacon, a bishop, or an elder, it is a position and it is something that you choose. Okay? There is no age requirement. Also, I just want to say this. I want to talk about the age requirement too. Unlike elders, the bishops and deacons, there are no age requirements. Okay? It's about demonstrated character and obedience by all in his family. So nowhere does it say the bishop has to be of a certain age or, you know, that deacon has to be of a certain age. Maybe he could be like a 25-year, I mean, I I don't know. But let's say he could be a 30-year-old guy and, you know, maybe he has a wife and a couple kids, but he's living right for the Lord, you know, and, you know, maybe he has these qualities where he's serving people. Yes, that means this is someone who is, you know, sort of living the gospel, really living the gospel. And he can be a deacon. He can be a bishop. There's no age requirements. You know, this gives credence to the concept that while the bishops and deacons can be elders, not all elders are bishops and deacons. It's kind of like those logic games you play, but I think you guys get it. It's important to note that there are callings, as it says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, but these are not offices. Let's look at Ephesians 4.11. It says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Even the calling of a shepherd in the Greek, it is not the same word as elder, bishop, or deacon. It means shepherd, protector, or ruler of a group of men. This is not an overseer or a deacon, and it is a calling. You know, I would imagine, you know, people with this calling would probably be more represented in the office of bishop or deacon than say maybe an evangelist or an apostle. But, you know, there's no way of, you know, truly saying that that is what it will be. But having this calling does not automatically qualify you or qualify anyone for deacon or bishop. That's important to understand. To be a deacon or to be a bishop, you need character and obedience throughout your whole family. To be an elder, you need the same, but you also need some age and experience as a believer. So the Bible talks about the double honor also that people who are in the role of elder, bishop, and deacon have. There is a double uh, honor that you receive. So it is a worthy position to take. It is something you should desire uh, to have. Um, He also says that in James chapter 5, verse 14 to 15, that these people can be summoned to pray for the sick and that they would recover. So having people who are experienced in the faith really matters. If you have someone 
who has been in the faith for a long time and they're an elder, this is definitely someone who can pray for you and you can become well. That's what the Bible says. I'm not putting these words out there. It's literally in the Bible. And so it's important to understand these different positions and these different callings. They're not the same. A calling and a position is not the same. And I want you to understand that wherever you may be. Maybe your position is a cashier. Maybe your position is a CEO. Maybe your position is a nurse. Maybe your position is um, a traveling salesperson or something like that, an sales executive or whatever it could be, a marketer, whatever. That's a position, but it's not a calling. Your calling is something that you're going to do regardless of what your position is. So I find it really interesting sometimes when I see people, I'll see two people in a group and you know uh, I play this game of find the leader I'll see two people in a group and one person will have the title of leader and one person will actually be the leader that is the way callings work it doesn't really need a title to 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 work that is why the position of being an elder is so carefully uh, selected and carefully looked after because God doesn't want you to be filling a position that you really have no, um, no capacity for. That's what the Lord doesn't want. And we have so many people out there who think because it seems glamorous or it seems like it's the thing to do or there's only a few positions in the church that they have to either be a preacher, a teacher, and a, a, um, or an evangelist. There's so many other things that you can do and be fulfilling a purpose. I don't want you to get stuck in those boxes. Um, Those are great things to be and wonderful things to be, but there are other ways that you are going to fulfill your purpose. And I don't want you to miss that. Looking at, you know, those three um, ones that, you know, we've celebrated so much. I don't want you to think that. I don't want you to feel that way. I want you to focus on what God has given you and know that there is double honor if you decide that you want to fill the position of an elder or a bishop or a deacon. It's an honorable thing to be. If you're already walking well in the Lord, you know, you're, you have a faithful wife, you have a faithful group of children, and they're doing what is right, you're raising them up, you know, in the admonition of the Lord, you, you're being a, a great role model for them, then yes, you should definitely do that. There's double honor for you there. <laughs> Who wouldn't want that? But it is a very difficult role to fill because you really have to be living that life. You really have to be about that life, as they say. So I just want to uh, sort of clarify the roles of deacon, bishop, and elder and understand and really underscore how important it is for us to fill those roles, have those roles filled in the church and understand those are the positions Those other things are callings. You know, you can have someone who has a calling to be, let's say, an apostle. And then they decide, oh, you know what? I think I want to, um, you know, be a bishop. Well, maybe they might have certain gifts that allow them to do that. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with doing that, too. So I really hope that you're able to learn from this and you can take your time and Listen to this uh, study again so that you're able to understand, you know, what it is uh, that you can do as a believer in terms of a position and how the church actually works. So I want to thank you so much for tuning in to this Bible study. I want to encourage you. Uh, you can support here at Anchor FM. It's anchor-fm. 
uh, and you can support here. You can also leave a message. I also want to encourage you to definitely support. You can do that by going to my Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash L Winston. And you can also support directly at PayPal. It's paypal.me forward slash Leela Winston, all one word. So like I said, I want to thank you so much for tuning into this broadcast. I pray that you are blessed by the broadcast and that you learn from it. Take the time to find out what a bishop is and what a deacon is um, and an elder and ask yourself, is that something that you want to do? Maybe God wants you to do that. Maybe that's something you could do, Um, especially if you are an older person, at least think to be an elder. Uh, Maybe you've been in the faith for a long time. You can share Um, So I just hope that uh, you will continue to uh, learn in the word of God and study those scriptures that we read over. And I pray that you're well and that God blesses you. Bye.